Blog Talk Radio. Good evening. Peace be upon you all. With God's name, the merciful benefactor, the merciful redeemer. This is your host and producer, John Nasheed, Blog Talk Radio Program. We're broadcasting on this October 27, 2001, from the beautiful city of Nourishell, New York. We come on at 7 o'clock to 8 o'clock every Thursday evening. And uh, quite naturally, we welcome you. Uh, We uh, had a subject that we had started last week, and I believe we're going to continue it for a few weeks. There's so much information. You know, I'm not bringing it from a scholarly perspective. I'm just trying to give an overview of uh, the establishment of Al-Islam in America by African-American slaves from the slave plantation. And uh, we're trying to give a picture here, a picture of uh, uh, the picture of Bilal in the time of uh, the Prophet Muhammad, one of his companions. And we spoke about that a few weeks ago when we were speaking on the life of Prophet Muhammad. And Bilal, he was a slave. He was from Africa. And he was a convert to Islam. So there's a sort of a parallel here of uh, what we have been accomplishing uh, actually since the inception, you know, because this is in the plan of God. You know, whatever takes place is in God's plan. And also if we study the history of the children of Israel, we follow a parallel. We parallel with that story. The children of Israel sold into slavery uh, and was able to uh, free themselves with the help of God and Moses and go about establishing a land of their own, free from the effects of uh, slavery, the influences of slavery. So we want to talk a little about that this evening. And uh, before we get into that, I just want to make mention that coming this uh, November, November 7th, is the holiday for Muslims all over the world. And it's called Idul Adha. It's the conclusion of Hajj, or the uh, pilgrimage to Mecca uh, that the Muslims experience once in their lifetime if they can afford it. And at that conclusion, after Arafat, when the Muslims come down from Arafat, you know, there's the slaughtering of the animals, and this is the celebration that we celebrate. And uh, there's a lot of significance in the Hajj, the complete Hajj, and quite naturally a lot of significance in the slaughtering and going all the way back to Abraham and Ishmael, but we're not going to get into that today. I just want to make an announcement of that date. And uh, November 7th, 2011. And uh, last year in your area, I'm pretty certain they'll be conducting the Eid prayers and also celebration. That's also an opportunity for us to come together as families. We pray together as a community. Uh, We come together as families, and please don't forget the gifts for the children and sweets and things of that nature. It's a joyous occasion. And that's when we have a long way to go to catch up with uh, the uh, Christians for their celebration of Christmas. But nonetheless, we're coming, we're coming along. We're doing very good. 
and we have to apply ourselves in quite nasty will have a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful holiday, and uh, God knows best. Another thing I wanted to mention to you is that this area is expecting snow, early, the first snow. They actually call it a snowstorm coming in Saturday. It's going to be maybe four hours late evening, uh, late afternoon, and then it will blow itself out, and Sunday hopefully will be a good day. But, you know, prepare ourselves for it because with the conditions of the world today, we see many of these things that we see, snowstorms and hurricanes and tsunamis, and these are signs from God. And it's mentioned all throughout the Bible and quite naturally in the Quran also. Revelation, they talk about, you know, the signs. And these signs are signs of the, of the conclusion of things. You know, as man, God gave man opportunity to reign over the earth, uh, rule over the earth, and by nature we messed it up so bad that nature has to speak back to us. And that's what's happening. Nature is most certainly speaking to us. And uh, God knows best. <clears throat> this, the, the topic, uh, as I mentioned earlier, is Al-Islam in America, established by former plantation slaves. And uh, we'll be speaking on uh, actually from dust to industry, from the darkness into the light. And the darkness or blackness or darkness is actually the beginning of things. And the light is the enlightenment coming into enlightenment. The darkness of the baby born into the womb of a mother have no knowledge. <clears throat> actually, it's the beginning of light. Everything that God created started in darkness, absent of knowledge, and it evolved over a period of time into knowledge, into the light that God desired for it. And, you know, quite nicely, man comes along and he takes these ideas or messages that God is giving us and he puts it in racial form. So black means the black man inferior and the light means the white man superior. And we've been having that problem, I guess, from ever since man has been on this planet Earth, we've been having a problem. So now we have light. God blessed us with light, and our leadership is now more to be Muhammad. And it's the light that would bring the darkness to its conclusion. So we thank God for that. We say, Alhamdulillah, we say, praise be to God. Uh, slavery, we talked, an introduction to slavery last week, we were talking about not just slavery, Cause the uh, North America or Atlantic, transatlantic uh, slave trade, but just slavery in general, how people who felt themselves to be superior or felt that they had more power than their subjects, so to speak, they enslaved them. And they enslaved them to work for them for free labor. And if we see the trend here, we see that we are really in slavery right now. <laughs> Because the whole purpose of slavery is labor. A person just wants you hanging around just to be hanging around. Because he has to feed you and everything. He wants you there to work for him for free. And uh, that's basically what's taking place right now, the time we're living in now. Because if a person makes uh, $7 or $8 an hour and the rents are twelve uh twelve hundred dollars or thousand dollars or nine hundred dollars quite naturally they can't afford it. 
credit card and things of that nature. All of these things, and the individual is penniless. Uh, he looks impressive, but actually he has nothing. Same as the time of slavery. But right now, see the slavery of old, people who were experiencing very difficult hardships, and especially at the hand of the slave master, he had the right to even kill them outright. And uh, we talked about slavery all over all over the world <clears throat> and how people came into slavery and masters, the serfs, people who were serfs. We talked about indentured, and indentured slaves, uh, chattel slaves, all over England the, in the uh, period of uh, serfdom where people had, king had owned the land and he had knights and bishops and people that he employed to look over his interests and they in turn had serfs or peasants or poor people under them to work the land and fight the wars for the king. These is documented in history. But what my point is, where I'm trying to go with this, is trying to show how this slave, this plantation slave, black man from Africa, in turn came through all of these difficulties and hardships and became a convert to Islam and began to establish industry in America, not only for itself, but for the benefit of America and the world. Imagine America being an example of brotherhood and love and peace with all of these resources and things that we have in this country and the ability and the technology and the knowledge and school education, colleges and education, etc., based on the nature of God's creation. Boy, we stand out as a beaming light in the world not under the present leadership that we're talking about today. We're talking about a whole new mind, a whole new mindset, a mindset that is based in God's word. And uh, this is what we're working on. I mean, we don't have a choice. When God wills something, all he says is be, and it is. So we don't have a choice. So the slavery, the slave trade to America, Jim Crow, separation, that period of time. We're going to talk about that at a further date. And also the Reconstruction period, you know, the, the, the pros and the cons. And then we'll jump from there to the Nation of Islam under the leadership of Ambalaz Muhammad and also the world community of Al-Islam in the West under the leadership of Imam or the Muhammad and uh, where we are today. And uh, we're working on it. And uh, this is the plan of God, whether we like it or not. And, you know, quite naturally, we have people who uh, go contrary to what we are talking about. Say, who is these black folks trying to act like they're doing something? Well, history speaks for itself. And we can go back. This is why we're talking about the history of uh, slaves uh, being stolen from Africa, brought to this country, stripped not only of their possessions, but stripped of the knowledge of themselves. An empty vessel and the Quran, uh, the word of God in Quran, is filling that vessel back up. And now we see the light coming out of a cup that we want to visualize it like that. We see the light coming out of that vessel. And the light is for the purpose of remaking the world, not for the benefit of the rich, 
the military, things of that nature. We're making the world for the benefit of the inhabitants of the world, the whole human family. We say a hundred law, praise be to God. As I mentioned earlier, the title suggests the life of Bilal, the slave, calling all people to their way of life. Their nat excuse me, their natural way of life that we call Al Islam. I mean, quite nice, you don't have to call it this Al Islam if if you're submitting to God. If you have another word for it, then you call it that. But the word translated in English means submission to God. So this is what Bilal was doing over fourteen hundred years ago. Before he became Muslim, he was a slave. He was a black Abyssinian slave. He was in Mecca. He was enslaved to the pagans. And the pagans were putting him through torment and misery and trying to force him to accept polytheism, many gods. And in his difficulty, he was just, he was uttering, Ahad, Ahad, one, one God, one, one, one God. And he, he accepted that one God, and he held to it, even at the threat of his life. Another of the companions, uh, Abu Bakr al-Siddiq, he bought him, he freed him from his bondage to the pagans, and he made very clear to him that he didn't free him for his service, he freed him for the service of God. In other words, you don't belong to anyone the only one that you belong to is God. And so with this, we come to a clear understanding that if we go back into the history of man from its inception all the way back, slavery, slavery, all sorts of slavery, all kinds of slavery, men traveling long distances to slave another man. And then we see an al-Islam <clears throat> under our dear Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of God be upon him, we see him abolishing slavery. Now, we, if we go back and study the history, we can we can say whatever you want, but we give the credit to our dear Prophet Muhammad for abolishing slavery. And then the individual, he become a servant of God. Actually, it's called Abdullah. Abdullah means slave of God. And I know that language is a little touchy with many of us because African Americans I'm talking about because slave had slavery had such a, negative effect on us that whenever we hear the word slave, you know, we just kind of get bent out of shape. But we're talking about slave or slave servant of God. This is something natural. It's not forced. Actually, every human being that was created, he was created to be a servant of God. Actually, that's the only way you can come to God is through service, the service of God. So keep these things in mind. You know, we were fed artificial artificial ideas, concepts, in relation to God, the devil, spiritual matters, etc. And many times we confuse, but once we clear our mind of these things, then scripture, Bible, especially the Quran, the Bible, the talk, all of it becomes much, 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 much more clearer. And first of all, remember that the main idea that we should approach is that God is one. He has no partners. He has no associates. God is one. The oneness of God. 
Matter of fact, everything God creates belongs to his oneness. Everything. Everything is related and connected. Everything. <laughs> A hundred of all, that God knows best. So God, whatever God created and also whatever God permitted uh, is from God and God alone. The history of the children of Israel uh, Balao ibn Rabah, the slave, the Abyssinian slave in the time of Prophet Muhammad, and the African American Muslim. We all see, we can see a relationship here. And this is what we want to reflect on. So some we read, we become students of life, students of God's word. And there's a lot, a lot of pieces, pieces to this big puzzle. And some of us, we get a little frustrated because you know, it don't always come to us overnight. You know, we have young men, uh, young women who come into the religion. They speak a little Arabic and they know a few phrases or some hadith and the Han. And, you know, some of them I even see in their ignorance challenging old soldiers, old troopers that have been around a long time. They might not sound as impressive as the educated, but nonetheless, they have picked up many, many pieces of this big puzzle. And they start putting these pieces together. And maybe they not, might not be able to articulate it the way that we think they should, but they have those pieces. They know. They know the piece. As soon as they find a piece, that, as they had some doubt in their mind, as soon as God bless them with understanding, which is another piece, and they place it in that spot, they say, Alhamdulillah, So this is why we should have respect for our elders. And God will bless us. Guidance to guide us to be students of life, students in al Islam, submitting our will to do God's will. The African American Muslim's life in America parallels all of these that we were talking, especially the life of Bilal ibn Rabah, a slave convert over 1400 years ago under the leadership. Actually, he was the Muezzin, the caller prayer of our dear prophet, he selected him to be the caller, to call the people to him. He didn't call, he didn't make the call. He didn't say, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. For the Muslims, he was calling them right now to come to worship, but he was calling humanity to come to worship. God never gave us any way of life for the benefit of one single piece people. Like in the children of Israel, they, they claim to be the chosen people of God, that God chose them over other people. I I disagree with that. Matter of fact, I that's completely wrong. He chose them to do his work. He chose them to call the people to his way. And they didn't call them to his way. They end up calling them to their way. Actually, that's one of the biggest problems that we have right here in society today, not in our society, but in a world society. Big problem. It's just that they were commissioned to do a job, to be, be servants of God, but they went contrary to God's will. <clears throat> this is part two of a series of parts that we're going to be speaking on, and it's Al-Islam in America established by former plantation slaves. And the reason we want to make that clear, too, is that there are many, many Muslims here now. I remember when 
and what I became was from 1966 or 66, I believe. You could hardly see a Muslim around. African-Americans, a few other folks were probably here, but they didn't come out in the open. Uh, they didn't identify themselves as Muslims. And now we, I didn't, Africans, we didn't even see Africans in the country here that much. But now there's Africans all over the place. And when they come here with citizenship, they are African-Americans. And, uh, but they are not African-American former plantation slaves. We have to make that clear, to make a distinction. That we don't want people to take credit for the work that we did in the society. We want to make certain that people understand, or history understand, that it was that slave, that former slave, on the plantations where Islam established, or the establishment of Islam under them. The slave trade, part two, European transatlantic slave trade from West. Africa to North America, and uh, many times you hear people talking about the slaves, uh, the uh, Atlantic slave trade, and how many Africans were in the Atlantic Ocean thrown overboard. Many more were thrown overboard than made it to the land, the kind of sacrifices that they went through on the slave ships. Actually, when you really look back, person who had a ship by the name of Good I think it was called Jesus, the Good Ship Jesus or something to that effect. And then when we, all of the pain and misery that they experienced on that ship, and then when they finally got here, the people were conditioned to accept that Jesus, that Caucasian image, as their God, even to today. Look at the kind of psychological effects that we had as a result of losing the knowledge of ourselves. So from West Africa, slave traders, and they were doing this long before uh, African Americans were Africans were enslaved and brought to North America. Actually, Africans were enslaving people. Arabs were enslaving Caucasians. Everybody was. If you can get to them and get a slave, that's exactly what they did. So this is not unique with African Americans. But there is something unique with African Americans. It's called the peculiar institution of slavery. And we'll get to that a little later on. Nobody else experienced experienced that but African American slaves. And even before the European uh transatlantic slave trade it was it was another slave trade and that was the Sahara slave trade through the through the desert, Sahara Desert. And this was Arabs and Africans trading. They were trading their goods, and they were also trading people. And many of us, we might have seen movies where we see the Arabs going across the desert with camel caravans, and we see people with chains or ropes tied around their neck behind the camel. That was their cargo that they were taking to, to trade. That was slave trade. But Right now, see that didn't work because how many slaves do you how how many slaves do you lose? How much water do they drink? Precious water across the desert. So the transatlantic slave trade became more lucrative and more productive, and uh, to the point where 
there was so much activities going on, people became very wealthy as a result. <clears throat> I'm going to read something here. It's uh, Transatlantic Slave Trade, 1450 to 1750. Uh, the Transatlantic Slave Trade was the most cruel form of slavery, but it was neither the first nor the only slave trade. Slavery was recognized was a recognized institution around the world long before the Egyptians enslaved the Jews. Arabs raided European countries and captured white slaves which were sold in Africa. By the 18th century, a large part of the European population were descendants of serfs and slaves. In other words, slavery was not just about the black people who endured the middle passage. It was a part of human history. So long before, and this is quite nasty, is wrong. And uh, we mentioned serfs, but it was also indentured. And actually before chattel slavery was indentured slavery. I mean, not people were still considered to be human. These were human beings that they were dealing with, and they recognized them to be human beings. And many of them worked for a certain amount of years, and after that, they, their labor paid for their uh, enslavement, and they were free, normally six or seven years, and that was the end of it. But chattel slavery was a, a little different. <laughs> Actually, in chattel slavery, the slave was broken to become chattel, cow, call it cow, cow. And they made it appear as if he was an animal. Us, we're talking about the black African slaves in America and probably other places also uh, in the diaspora. And, but not so much like us because we lost, in America, we lost the total knowledge of ourselves. Actually, if you see Jamaicans, Jamaicans, they very proud people, they stand tall because they didn't lose their connection to Africa. Actually, the Haiti, Haitians also. Brazil, same thing. Many people in the islands, different parts of the islands. They didn't lose they didn't lose their identity. Actually you see some some uh some of the cultural uh artifacts that they have and the dances and the songs that they sing. They didn't get to furthest extreme as we did here in America. Totally broken. It's a slave period. There's a period during our slave history that was just dedicated to breaking the slaves. And there was uh, some writing to can't recall right offhand. Or some I, there was a fellow who who uh had 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 written a, a story about how to break a slave or how to make a slave and how to keep a slave. And they did some research on it and they said that they couldn't find the supporting information in the history. But even if they couldn't find the supporting in, uh, information to support that story, the story is just so true. I mean, you can ask anybody who's African American, older people, some of our grandparents, and the history of what we do know will even verify what he wrote. So we understand that, and we understand that to have been a very serious problem, and uh, God knows best. 
slave trade. We have a slave trade that's going on right now. Some of us become naive because we have a black president. If we don't watch out, we, all of us might be enslaved, not only black folks, but all of us. See, because there's, there's, a, there's a workings that's going on behind what we can actually see. And quite nice, we know our president has good intent, but there's also movement going behind what the president trying to accomplish. Uh, we see our immigration problem. This is slavery. They allow people to come into this country. Why don't you seal the borders? Because they don't want the borders so uh, sealed. Because the, the immigrants coming into the country, working in restaurants and cutting grass in people's homes, etc., free labor, or almost free labor. The prison system now at the beginning to corporations are beginning to produce products. The prisoners are producing products in the prisons, working for a dollar, maybe less than a dollar an hour, and in some of the bigger production plants, as much as a dollar sixty-five cents an hour with overtime. And one inmate even told me with, with vacation time. So they're taking people right off of the streets, right here in New York. They have. Uh, police set up where they stop you and search. They call it frisk, stop and frisk. And if they just happen to find something on you, they've taken a chance, but if they find it, you go to the prison. That's how they did in the slave time, the slave periods in Africa. Public education is the beginning of the making of a slave. If you don't have the knowledge, if you don't have information, you can't make good decisions, you can't better your life. And if your knowledge is inferior, then quite naturally you're going to accept inferiority. And then minimum wages, credit, credit, giving people credit, like in the housing market, giving people credit to buy a house and they can't afford it. And now they come back and take the houses. <laughs> scams, big scams that have taken place to create slavery all over again. And uh, quite naturally the light is on the scene. <clears throat> And we bear witness the light is on the scene because of our presence, because we were in a state of jihali or darkness, mental darkness here in America, and now you see some of us as an example who have come into the light, and now we're shining that light back into the dark. Hopefully we can guide the people and don't do like the children of Israel, but go back and try to bring the people to the light and be pleasing to God. Submit our will to do God's will. God knows best. West Africa. The European Portuguese were the first Europeans to extensively explore the West African coast. Now, these people, unlike us, they were uh, wide awake. They didn't have a problem. They were they were wide awake. They were looking for opportunities to live well on this earth that God put them here on. They were looking for these. This is back in the 15th century, the late 15th century. They were on their boats developing crafts to go out into the oceans and look for better opportunities. That's what explorers did. They didn't just sail the oceans just to be sailing the oceans. They were under contract from kings and queens 
to go out and find better opportunities for Portugal, for the Dutch, for the French, for the English, for any European country. And they had great wealth, and they entrusted that wealth to people like Columbus and other explorers to go out and find gold or human cargo or whatever you can find, spices and things of that nature, and bring it back. And the Portuguese, the Portuguese in Spain had expelled the Moors or the Muslims who had conquered them, and they were ruling over them and from North Africa and from their countries. And they, they expelled them from their country, from Portugal and Spain. The fall of Granada in 1492 ended Muslim rule in Iberia, which is Portugal. And Christopher Columbus' reign of terror in South America. So once they became free of the Muslim influence, they began to go out, spread out, and start looking for a better opportunity. We read the history where Columbus was searching for India for spices and silks and things of that nature, and he ended up in South America. But he wasn't going to be defeated, so he saw the people there, and he just called them Indians. Their name wasn't Indian. <laughs> they were Native American. They came from different tribes, etc. but they are the Native Americans, very proud people that was reduced to rubble by the reign of terror of Christopher Columbus when he was set free from England to come and travel the whole globe searching for wealth. The Portuguese in the, in the 15th century, and then later the Dutch came at the end of the 17th century. The Dutch succeeded the Portuguese. Portuguese. Not that the Portuguese stopped, but the Dutch became a bigger a bigger uh, influence in the slave, slave trade than the Portuguese. And uh, if we study our history, many of us don't know right now, and I can almost guarantee you that New York City, where I live, in this area where I live, New York City, 17th century, had more slaves in New York New York, New York, then South Carolina. And that's where the slaves came in. They came into South Carolina and Charleston, those areas there, right on the ocean. More slaves in New York. And that was one of the best-kept secrets in the history book. And uh, I did some research. I went down to a museum in New York City, and I bought a book also, and they had a display of the history of the Dutch and New Amsterdam was called, New York was called New Amsterdam from the Dutch. Amsterdam being in, in the Dutch land, Holland or wherever, and New Amsterdam was here. Now, when we said we needed to build a new Africa, many people got disturbed, especially amongst our own people, black folks here in America. New Africa. <laughs> What's wrong with a new Africa? They made new New Amsterdam, they made uh, new, new, uh, uh, new, a whole lot of new, new this and new that. They, Caucasian, bringing that idea here. But when we said new Africa, you know, some people were bent out of shape. But we're still working on that. We're still working on a new Africa community for the benefit of African-American people. And quite now here, 
people receive any benefit from our benefit, alhamdulillah, praise be to God. And then later on, the French and the English, uh, 18th century, uh, when they really start to flourish. We know that in 1619 in Virginia, the colony of Virginia, where the first African Americans came as slaves, wasn't that many. Uh, they weren't treated bad. They were indentured, slave slaves. They had an opportunity to uh, work their uh, work for their freedom a certain amount of time, and then they were released. They didn't have a big problem with race problems. I mean, the people got along. They slept in the same uh, areas. They ate in the same uh, places, and they didn't have any problem like that. So this racism came about as a result of control. In other words, divide and conquer. So the French and the English, they succeeded the Dutch, came in after the Dutch. And we know in the history of uh the French Revolution, American Re- not French Revolution, but the American Revolution, we see the English and the French were fighting. Some of the, and the English were fighting with uh, some Indians that were or Native Americans that were friendly with them, and the French also was uh, fighting against them, right along with the uh, with the uh, British, fighting fighting against each other. And uh, they were fighting for the colonies. They were fighting for the wealth of America. They were fighting for slaves, the slaves of America. And uh, quite nicely, God knows best. And remember, 1776, signing of the Constitution of the United States of America. There were slaves here. And they were signing that Constitution looking for freedom and equality while they were holding slaves. Keep that thought in mind. Early on in the Mediterranean area, slaves were considered human. They were indentured slaves. The black African slave owners developed theories of black slaves as half animals to justify their brutality. And I mean, some of these brutal things that was done to African Americans, and we'll talk about that more in Jim Crow, the Jim Crow period. I guess maybe they, during the slave period, they wanted to work the cotton fields of Mississippi and Alabama and Georgia. And, you know, they didn't want to kill too many people, but after slavery was over, and the Jim Crow period, the separation of the races, then they started to really brutalize, hanging cut people in half and, you know, the women cutting babies out of their wombs and setting them on fire and things of that nature. Brutality. How did you justify that? Because the black slave wasn't a human. He was an animal. He was half animal. Actually, they called him three-fifths of, three-fifths of a human, the lowest rung of society, and he became a chattel slave. In other words, they owned him. He'd never be free. Actually, he'd be just like the serfs in Europe. He say, not the serfs in Europe, but the Hindu, the Hindu religion on the different caste system, the lower caste, that lower caste or lower class on those four different levels, they would serve the higher caste 
the day they die. I said, the whole family, if you were born into that caste or that class, then you'll always be that. The lower jobs, the no dignity, no respect. Uh, and serving the master class all of the days of your life. And uh, these points are, you know, very necessary for us to understand where we are now. And also it helps us that we don't get out of our place because God didn't raise us up from slavery, from all of the hardships that our grandparents and forefathers uh, went through. He didn't raise us up that we stand up arrogant, acting like the master. I see too many of us, we like to act like the master, like they did on the plantation. They used to put a little kids used to put on the master's hat and his walking stick and then parade around showing off like the master. But now we see today grown men working in corporations, business and things, walking around like the master. He didn't raise us up for that purpose. He raised us up to be servants for a cause, to invite or to call people, as Malau did, to God's way. God has prescribed a way for mankind. And if we accept it, we'll be successful. If we reject it, we will not be successful. Success is not in materialism. Success is in peace. And peace is when you submit to God. Alhamdulillah. The major difference in, in the slave industry from its inception worldwide is the peculiar institution of slavery in North America. That's the difference. The peculiar. Peculiar means exclusive. In other words, there was nothing ever like that. Uh, one of a kind unusual, outlandish, peculiar. It's a peculiar institute. In other words, when maybe some learned people, scientists or whatever, was studying slavery, the transatlantic slave trade, when they studied it, they studied slavery in Mississippi, the Mississippi Delta. They studied uh, Jim Crow, period. They studied all of these things. They studied the Reconstruction period, and they study us even today in prisons, mental hospitals, and in the hood communities, social workers studying African-American people. And then they finally came to a conclusion that this is not ordinary. This is not ordinary. This is peculiar. This is one of a kind. This is something that never happened in the creation of man, that man was put through this kind of abuse and robbed completely of the knowledge of itself, the peculiar institution of slavery. Not only was the African-American slave brutalized and mistreated for free labor, they were also removed from any knowledge of themselves, their land, their people, their culture, their religion, Everything about them was removed. The slaves lost their complete knowledge of themselves, right down to their names. They were given the master's names, plantation names. In other words, from a name like Lamumba, 
in Africa to a name like Tom Jones in America. Look how that reduced him, because the name Lumumba has a history that goes back to the beginning of man, the beginning of modern man in the world. Goes all the way back. Maybe not. Maybe not that particular name, but an African name. The history goes all the way back because scientists have realized that all human beings came out of Africa. And then a man has the name of Tom Jones. Jones, Tom, or Tom Smith. Smith meaning that Mumba was purchased by a man or a family named Smith, and Mr. Smith labeled him with his name. He forgot about Mabumbo. He forgot about the culture of Africa, the religion of West Africa. West Africa is a place that was Muslim country. And many of the Christians, many Christians who I guess they felt that they were doing the right thing because taking black slaves because black slaves were <laughs> cursed black by in the Bible, Ham cursed black to serve white people. And uh, it was all right. But some of them didn't feel good about taking Christian blacks. And they were Christian blacks in Africa. So they went to West Africa where the majority of the people are African or Muslim. And uh, they took them and brought them to this country to serve them as chattel owned and put their stamp on them, and the stamp is their name. And sadly, most African-American, black African-American, still carry their slave master's name today and see nothing wrong with it. If you ask them about their name, you'll just have a discussion about the names that African-Americans, they don't have any problem with it. They don't see anything wrong with it. You say, I ain't no African. I ain't never, they ain't never did nothing to me. That's a common kind of response. But it just shows the psychological effect that slavery had on our folks. Because who in their right mind would accept the name of a person who had brutalized their forefathers, foremothers, their grandmothers, etc.? And we know the history. And why would we accept the names of these people if we didn't have psychological effects of slavery. All proof that the slave mentality still exists among us even today, the peculiar institution of slavery in America. Very sad, very sad, very sad picture. You know, I hate to to even reflect on it, to be truthful, but how are we going to be able to get by it if we don't address it? So my name is John Jihad Nasheed. That's the name that I chose. My name was John Bracy, Bracy being the slave master. I did some research. I don't have it with me. I have it for another program. Uh, this Saturday, my program Saturday, but the name, the name Bracy, came from England. And when I came to my senses or came into the light, I said, no, 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 no. I, I don't want the slave master's name. I gave him back his name, and I took my own name. And now we have four generations of Nasheed. And uh, history will speak about Nasheed. 
from the 1960s, or excuse me, the 1970s, all the way to that point. And uh, and I pray that we have some good accomplishments. And I know we're going to have some bad accomplishments also because we live in North America. But nonetheless, I pray that our good overrides our bad. I'm talking about the Nasheed name and other people who have named this coming through this experience. West African slaves in American colonies, the 13 colonies. Virginia, 16, 19. And we see how the slaves, continuous flow of slaves, flooding, flooding, flooding into America. We talked about prison as being the new slavery or the new slave institutions. And I read a report where they mentioned that there are more slaves in prison today, prisoners, I should call them. I don't want to call them slaves. Prisoners in American prisons, more slaves in prison than there have ever been in slavery. Think about that. If we have the film called Roots by Alex Haley, take that film out, dust it off, go online, buy a copy of Roots by Alex Alex Haley, and play it. The most viewing, the the most uh, a must viewing for our young children. My son, he had played it for his children, and they recall it every now and then. Very very powerful. Some people uh, criticize and talk about the facts of it, but there's a general picture. The picture is a good general picture. Actually, anything that we see in there, brother, could be documented at some point in our history. So don't go for that. Just show them the movie. It's a healthy movie for our children, and it doesn't try to hide anything. It shows them the facts of the experience that we went through, tracing our history back from slavery, uh, new slaves to old slaves, the old slaves, the, new, the old slave market, the new slave market. A slave-making period, as we mentioned early on. You know, England's uh, Protestants, England's Protestants started starting new colonies for religious freedom. This is what the English people came here for. English people came, set up colonies, and then later on we know America, after they beat them in the Revolutionary War, America became America. American people, they were English. This is why we see Americans in English, England today. When they go to uh, invade a country, England is always there. Always there. And uh, America was a rebel to England. You know, they're revolutionary, and, uh, you know, they act like they kind of mixed up in the head when somebody else have a revolution. <laughs> you know, they, they were revolutionary. They beat England. And the English people came to this country, the first ones to come here and say that they came here for religious freedom. Now, here's a hypocrite because a person that you persecute and you put under bondage and you brutalize, Religious people, religious freedom, never taught that. And Protestants or Christian people, and Jesus always taught love. I'm not even, I never was a Christian, but I know that. Most slaves were Muslims. It, it was unchristian 
to enslave Christian Africans. So quite naturally, they chose Muslim. And we see that in Kuta Kinte. Kuta Kinte was an African. He was a new slave coming to America. And being a new slave, he just couldn't understand the old slaves. They were what we would call in the, in the, in the past Uncle Tom's. That every time NASA said something, they asked, they asked him to jump, they asked him how high. And uh, he wouldn't do it. And eventually they ended up cutting his feet off because he always would try to escape. See, he was a free man. He was a Muslim. He didn't even understand the idea of slavery. And when he mentioned to Fiddler, he said, Fiddler, don't you want to be free? And Fiddler said, free? What's that? He didn't have a concept of freedom. That's how thoroughly, thoroughly, thoroughly slavery, that peculiar institution, did a number on African-American people. And as, as I mentioned earlier, sadly to say that many of us are still enslaved in our mind, has a, a slave mentality to respond to an authority over us. Very sad story. So this is why we have Bilal calling the people to prayer. Not Bilal old, but Bilal today. Bilal calling the people, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, come to prayer, come to prayer, come to success, come to success. That's what God is calling us to. Today, most blacks in America are Protestant, Baptist Protestant. Is another another sign here, another example of of how mixed up we are in the head, to give up or accept a religion. And I know this is out of ignorance. I'm not criticizing because I was there too. Is that black people are following the religion of the master. The people who came, the Protestants who left England and came protesting against the Catholics. And they came here and set up their ways of life. Even the Ku Klux Klan were Protestants. And then the poor African American is a Protestant, Baptist Protestant today, uh, going to church and blowing out the confusion, uh, frustration that we experience. This is what they gave to our people in the South to go back in the woods and you have your little black church and call it the Baptist people and just holler and play the instruments and holler and get all of that frustration out and then be ready for work tomorrow at Can't See, and work to Can't See. Sad story, but nonetheless, it's the truth, and God knows best. So God brought us the light when he gave us the Quran. This is the light. And in this book, there is guidance, sure, without doubt. So I visited me and my wife. We went on a road trip. We went to the Deep South. We wanted to experience it firsthand. We went to Memphis, Tennessee. We went to the Mississippi Delta. We got out of the car. We talked to people. We stayed overnight. Matter of fact, in each one of these places, we stayed in a hotel overnight. Uh, we we talked to the people. We, we had experiences with it. We went to the old blues clubs and heard the old blues. And we We had a hell of an experience. We went to Alabama. We went to Martin Luther King where he went to the church, the Baptist church there that was blown up and the girls were killed. 
We went to Memphis where he was killed. Memphis, Tennessee. We viewed it. We saw it. We went to South Carolina where Sherman marched through South Carolina into Georgia or Georgia into South Carolina and tore the place up. But Sherman set the place on fire. Actually, South Carolina is where the whole problem started, the whole war, the Civil War started in South Carolina. And South Carolina is still a holdout. They're still holding out. They still have that Confederate flag. And in places in Georgia and Mississippi, et cetera, in one place in Georgia, I saw the Confederate flag flying above the American flag. And this is a rebel flag. And America can go to Iraq and kill the people if they raise their own flag. But right here in America, they allow a rebel flag to be raised in the state of Georgia, in Memphis, in Tennessee, in Mississippi, in Alabama, in South Carolina, and places of that nature. So people like Nat Turner, uh, Denmark D.C., Harriet Tubman fought against these people, fought against them, physically fought. John Brown was killed. He was a Caucasian man, an abolitionist. He fought against them to bring what God desired for the human family. And you see the situation. We have closing down. We have maybe two minutes here. But we see uh, the timeline. Actually, I'm not going to be able to go through this. We don't have the time. But we should understand that the Emancipation Proclamation in 1863, uh, no man can issue a proclamation to free you. That, that, that the only one that can free you is God. And then we ask ourselves another question about Abraham Lincoln. Was President Abraham's Lincoln interest to free slaves or save the Union of America? And out of his own mouth, he said, actually it was to free, to save the Union. And if it took freeing the slaves to do that, then he would do that. And we can check out the history and see that for ourselves. So we thank you for being with us here this uh, evening, and we're going to continue this next week. And we're talking about the uh, history. We're talking about uh, Alice Long in America, established by former plantation slaves. And next week we'll do a little, uh, we'll cover some information we didn't cover here, and then we'll go on to Jim Crow. We'll talk about some things important. Uh, important events of history and dates in the slavery, and then we'll go on to the Jim Crow or separation. Jim Crow was after the Emancipation Proclamation, and the people accepted they accepted it because it was from the president, but they created a situation of separation. So thank you for being with us this evening, and may God bless you all. Peace. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.